1: off an emotional win at Martinsville we take a closer look at what drives Clint Boyer and how his racing career began with one winless streak snapped who is next to join that list and what drivers aren't getting the credit that they deserve so far this season plus Parker is going to hop in the sim and take us for a ride and he might not know it yet but we've got a special competitor lined up for him today What's up, everybody? Welcome to NASCAR America on this Thursday. Carol Mano, Parker Kligerman, Nate Ryan, and Landon Castle with you today. Landon, we haven't spoken to you since you raced at Martinsville. What was it like being back in a cup car?
2: Well, it's always good to be back in uh, any kind of race car, especially after you have a few weeks off or some time off or even an entire off-season off. But I was, I was happy at Martinsville. Uh, the, the, the weather was interesting. The, the you, you get a short period of time to practice and adjust on the race car, but the the race was going well, I thought. And you joked last week, Landon, about I think you thought you were going to get banged around
3: a lot in that race, and I don't know if you did as much as you thought or as anybody thought. I think the, the narrative coming out of this race, Kyle Petty said it earlier in the week on the program, was that... There was a distinct amount of non-aggression, and I think we've heard from several drivers and a few crew chiefs who have theories, whether it's tires, whether it's data sharing, whether it's the cars are maybe too similar or too fragile to hold up under the the damage of a short track race, but it just didn't seem as if drivers maybe were forcing the issue and banging around as much as in the past.
2: Yeah, those are good points. I mean, the data sharing, I'm going to disagree on the data sharing. I don't don't really know how that would take aggression away, Uh, but... The tires was one thing that I thought about on my way home from the racetrack. I felt like there was more rubber buildup, especially for the cool temperatures. There was some pretty decent rubber buildup, and when there's rubber buildup at Martinsville, you can move uh, the car around on the racetrack a little bit. And so there's just more room, where when Martinsville is just a green-white racetrack, there's only one groove on the bottom, and the cars are stuck in one lane. Uh, the only other thing that you mentioned that was, what was interesting about the cars being fragile and, and I will say that, that towards the end of last year, I feel like uh, it was it was good for us to build soft front ends, allow the splitter to float a little bit. But the problem was when you went to short tracks, if you bump someone, it just killed your hood. It killed your front, front fenders to have that kind of deflection. So I could definitely see people trying to stay off of other bump, uh, rear bumpers.
4: Hey, Landon, real quick, I, uh, you, you're well-known in the industry for being able to go to a smaller team or up-and-coming team and kind of really lead them in the right direction and your ability to kind of figure out where a team needs to go. So you know, what's your first impressions of Starcom Racing, what you saw of them? I saw you improve the car a lot from first practice, second practice, and just what did you see throughout the whole weekend?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that they uh, have have uh, uh, big plans for the sport, and that's that's what I look for in a small team. That's that's what gets me excited to uh, work with a small t- a new team like that. So... They they feel like they kind of needed my feedback to just say, Hey, where are we at? You know, what's our car doing? And, and and the my feedback from that after Martinsville was just saying, look, our speed is gonna be gained in preparation at the shop. We need to get cars to the pull down rig. We need to find a plan for some simulation. And it's not even that the setup of our cars were wrong or bad, it's just that you got to get to the racetrack, and the splitter's got to be just right. The side skirt's got to be sealed off. And, and at that point, I can take it to 100%. And so, you know, we unloaded at Martinsville, and we were a little short of that. We had to get reset the heights of the car and get that in the right place, and that's where the speed picked up. So Texas will just be kind of starting that all over again.
1: We look forward to see how you do at Texas. Most of the focus on Monday was on Clint Boyer squarely, as it should be, snapping such a long winless streak. His win at Martinsville one of your choices in today's NASCAR America poll question, and that is the following. Which has been the biggest surprise of the season so far? You can see on the bottom of the screen the other choices. Kevin Harvick's dominance, Austin Dillon's Daytona 500 win, Jimmy Johnson's struggles, Eric Amarola's success with Stuart ha- Haas Racing. So marinate ha- ha- so <laughs> on that. Okay. Go to NBCSports.com NASCARVOTE. Final results later on in the show, but that is the poll question of the day. Meantime, heading into this off-weekend, let's take a look at the Monster Energy playoff standings, and here they are for you. So Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Clint Boyer, Austin Dillon have virtually guaranteed themselves a playoff berth with a win. Meanwhile, on the bubble, you have Ryan Newman holding the final playoff spot by 14 points over the seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson. Johnson, one of three Hendrick drivers on the outside looking in. We have discussed ad nauseum this week what Hendrick Motorsports is dealing with, Parker, as we head into the weekend and what they may be up against as they look forward to fixing some of the things that have plagued them so far early on in this season. Outside of Hendrick, who has to go to work this weekend in your mind?
4: Well, I think there's a a couple drivers out there, and not specifically organizations, but drivers themselves and their particular teams, and actually uh, Nate and Landon and I and you were all talking about this before the show, and we came up with a multitude of drivers, and one that really stuck out was Jamie McMurray in that one car. They've gotten off to an abysmal start outside the top 25 in points, have not been able to hit on anything. He had a terrible race at Martinsville, caused our only caution from an incident really on the racetrack, and I just think it, that that team needs to find a way to get moving forward, and I, just, I, I know talking to Nate and Landon, they really agreed with me on that, and I don't know what they can do, guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Jamie, I've, I saw him last year, and I was like, Jamie, what do you got to do to get some speed uh, to catch up to your teammate? And I got kind of a dirty look from him. I, I walked up to him at driver intros and just kind of slapped him <laughs> on the chest and was, I was being lighthearted about it. And I was like, uh, you know, I asked him that. And, and I got a dirty look and just a quick, short response of, yeah, he's pretty good. And so I, I can tell, like, that, that got under his skin a little bit. And Jamie works hard. He, he's, he's very fit. He he cycles a lot. Uh, and he's he's shown that speed at times, but he's got a heck of a rabbit to chase in that 42 car who is
3: yeah. always fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, Landon, that certainly when you look at his teammate, Kyle Larson, there's a lot he's competing against there. And when you're 26th in points and don't have a top 10 like Jamie McMurray has, then that's going to eat at you a little bit. And then when you consider the fact that you mentioned he's very fit He's, he's stayed in peak physical condition, but he's in his 40s now. And one of his good friends is Matt Kenseth, and I'm sure he looks around and sees that right. this is becoming more and more of a young man's game here. And unfortunately, right. for somebody like that who's not producing, even just six races into the season, I'm sure this break is is something he probably right.
2: welcomes. Well, we talked about homework and, and the data and things like that, and and I think Jamie, is he's really a smart guy, and he knows how to read that stuff. He knows how to pay attention, but... There's a lot more homework to do these days in the Cup Series to be successful and a lot of research, and they have those tools at Ganassi. You know, they've got Josh Wise over there uh, training the drivers, preparing the drivers, but uh, he's got to be able to do that homework in addition to his training to step up to the level that
4: Kyle Larson's at. And, guys, what's interesting about that is you brought up, for his particular case, you know, when we look at Jim McMurray in that one car, they make the playoffs a lot of times on his consistency, his ability to just be very consistent. And that's something that they're lacking at the start of the season, which is worrisome because that means it's going to put them in a position where they're going to have to go get a win, which they've not been able to do in recent years. So I just think they're in a very tough position. As Nate mentioned, you know, you look at the landscape of drivers right now and you see younger drivers, they're cheaper, and you you have to think this is a very important season for Jay McMurray in that one car and he's got to find some speed. So, guys, who else are we thinking out there that needs to – Pick it up a little bit.
3: Well, I think, Landon, I think you go to a, a driver who had a forgettable weekend. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. crashes in practice, has a start from the uh, the rear in a backup car the second time this year, and he's, that's happened before at Martinsville. And then the race starts, and I think we were surprised. He was a playoff driver last year, but that team didn't look like a playoff
2: team with that backup car on Monday. Yeah, and we're not being too hard on him for one forgettable weekend, but he's had a, a backup car at Phoenix. He had a backup car at Martinsville again, and the the thing that I identify sometimes with, with drivers that struggle, it's one thing to not run top 10 when you feel like you should be running top 10. Sometimes those guys fall back, and they, they run top 20, and then they got to get their speed back up, and they can put their car in the top 5 or top 10, but when you really get outside the top 30, and, and you're getting beat by cars that are funded 10 times less than your team, and even if it's a backup car, like, that car has to be better prepared than that. He dropped to the back of the pack before the start of the race like you do when you're in a backup, and never once passed me. He was behind cars that have way less funding, and and he just struggled all day. And you don't know where that comes from. Is that team preparation? Is that Ricky? In my mind, Ricky has the talent that Kyle Larson has. I can see – I've seen Ricky with this amazing raw talent – but his head has to be in the game. And so I I raced around him a lot on Sunday, and I just it was it was just interesting to see the, the moves that he was making that weren't really advancing the
4: position. And you could just tell he was kind of floundering like it was almost just shut off. And you know what's funny about him? You mentioned, you know, having a bad weekend at Martinsville and, and wrecking that primary car in practice. And I, I can't think of how many times we've seen him do that. But I, there's one thing I like about that, what I see him doing, and I know this is kind of contrary to what you would think, is that He's pushing. And I, I think, you know, you talk about the mental game of Ricky Senhouse, and that, just, to me, always looks like he's pushing. He's trying to get the maximum he can out of those Roush Family Racing cars, and they're not always giving him the cars capable of his commitment. I've heard Jimmy Johnson once talk about how he messed up a qualifying lap and his commitment was over his car, what his grip level was in the car. So I think Ricky runs into that a lot of times where he's pushing so hard, he's trying to get everything out of those cars, and it's just not there for him. And I believe wholeheartedly he is just as talented as Kyle Larson, as you said, Landon, but he doesn't have the equipment to back him up. On the other side, you have his teammate Trevor Bain in the six car, and I think this is another representation of where Roush Fenway Racing needs to ask itself, how are they going to move forward, right? How are they going to give Ricky Stenhouse Jr. those cars? And when you've consistently seen the six-car lacking behind the 17-car for the last year, you saw Ricky Stenhouse win. The six-car has not been able to find that mojo. You have to consistently wonder, are they getting the best feedback? Are they getting the best momentum out of that six-car, the best ability to move the whole organization forward, to move Ricky forward, to give them the best cars. And I just think that six car has a lot of work to do as we look at the start of the season, which has not been off to a good start, to try and find something to help that whole organization move forward. Just
1: very quickly to follow up on your point, what percentage of drivers would you say have the qualities that a Ricky Jr. or a Jimmy Johnson have where they want to push even past what they're capable of? Is that a rare quality?
4: You know, I think it depends on the driver. I think some drivers have a different way of getting there some creep up to the limit some find themselves where they can just work up to it and then they find the limit there and then there's other drivers that find the best way to get to the limit is to blow right past it and then try to come back and that's where you find kyle larson that's where you find a jimmy johnson a ricky senhouse that's where they they live they live over the limit and then taking themselves back
1: all right let's turn our attention now to some news actually from last night involving bk racing nate can you get us up to speed on where this story is right now
3: right carol so the team has been in bankruptcy court Uh, They had a hearing yesterday, and during that hearing, the court awarded the the decision-making for the team to a trustee. The team will continue to race. I think that's an important takeaway here. Uh, BK Racing will be at Texas. Uh, The trustee will determine if the team remains a viable business that can continue to make money. And if not, then there could be the option that the team could be sold or its charter could be sold. However, if the trustee made that decision to sell the charter or, or to you know, change ownership of the team, that would have to be court-approved. So uh, I think the main takeaway here right now is that BK Racing will be continue to be at the track, but for now they will have a different decision-maker, this trustee, will be determining uh, what they're doing now in the future.
1: Okay, we'll continue to follow the story, Nate. Thanks for the latest on that. Meantime, coming up after the first six races, we know a little bit about which teams are up, which teams are down. There are still some important questions that we need to answer, though, and one driver isn't getting the attention that he deserves, according to our analyst. Do you know who it is? A couple of guesses. Think about it. We'll be back after this.
5: is harder to go to without a detailed plan come again home goods or target home goods incorrect oh what i know it's a i know i know that's, that's
6: a true is tough. Home harder goods to is go tough. to without a detailed detail yeah. plan target is easy Is harder
3: you lost for days who,
6: who chooses the you never leave this? under
3: 40 dollars uh dale spoke to the judges during the break <laughs> and produced a home goods receipt and he in fact was awarded the win uh so f- oh. i'm sorry ryan figures
1: <laughs> that was just a little bit of the fun we had yesterday. <laughs> in Wednesdays with Dale Jr., if you missed it, make sure you don't miss it again. You can catch it every Wednesday, 5 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. It was a whole lot of fun. It's really laid back. Um, right now on NBCSports.com, if you want, you can actually read the latest edition of Bump and Run. This is really cool, too. It's something that you get there all the time. Our NASCAR writers giving you all their answers to the sports' biggest questions. So we have a couple questions of our own mm. to discuss. And we're going to start with the most recent history with Clint Boyers snapping that 190-race winless streak at Martinsville. So here are the longest active winless streaks in the Monster Energy Series. It's led by Paul Menard, hasn't won in 238 long races. David Reagan, Trevor Bain, Jamie McMurray, A.J. Allmendinger, Amarola, also trying to break major winless streaks. Landon, when you look at this list, who do you think is going to be the next driver to end their drought?
2: Well, I mean, uh, I think... Eric Almirola is one that he, this is a, a great chance for him to end that winless streak. And his teammates are obviously fast. His cars are fast. But, you know, the last segment we gave Jamie McMurray such a hard time. So <laughs> he's going to have to end his winless streak if he's going so to overcome. So be next. Yeah, I guess okay. he's going to have to end his winless streak if he's going to overcome uh, the, the speed that he needs to find. Well, I also I went with Eric
3: Almirola, Landon, and the way this question was phrased in the Bump and red segment, which Dustin Long does a great job every week of putting up on NBCSports.com, the way Dustin phrased that question is, I think, who needed to win the most? Who yeah. needed to end that winless streak? And even though Eric Almirola is at the bottom of that list, I think he's the guy who he started off 2018 so well New situation, new ride, new car. I think he needs the breakthrough. I think it needs to happen sooner rather than later.
2: I de- well, it, de- it definitely needs to happen because, obviously, Harvick has been fast. Clint Boyer just won. Kurt Busch is, is probably going to come through at some point, uh, as he always does. So it definitely needs to happen, but I don't see him under the same pressure as some of the other guys. Uh, he, he's, it's, it's very You can tell it's a very Cinderella. Uh, everybody's really happy and positive around him right now. So top fives and top tens are going to be good for Eric, and, but you're right. I mean, it definitely, it, it'll come.
4: Nice pick, but I'm going from the bottom list to the top of the list at 238 races in a winless streak. Paul Menard in that 21 car is going to break his winless (laughs) streak this season. Yes, I guarantee it. In those Penske cars, Penske is on it this year. I'm I'm saying it, guys. I'm going out on a limb here. I just know it. This car is so fast. We're seeing him in the top 15 points. He's running better than he ever has in his career. I just believe that that 21 car will find a way into victory lane this season.
1: I love it. I love it. I love you going out on a limb. Listen, uh, Dustin Long, we've we've we should mention we've tweaked his questions slightly <laughs> for our purposes he's a respectable These journalist yes yeah, so we we've, we've kind of made some adaptations and one of those involves another driver that is just itching to get to victory lane kyle bush finished second three times this season at martinsville he talked about being so close yet so far away
2: i mean we we take solace sure but um you know ultimately we're, we're here to win each and every week i know everybody is but uh, we've been that close each and every week so we're we're right there. We're knocking on the door. We're trying. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's it's one particular thing that we can pinpoint. We've just been beat by somebody kind of hitting it a little bit more than we have. And um, and we've been the closest thing to everybody each and every week. And we're getting beat by different guys. Um, you know, the SHR team is certainly probably uh, one of the, the better teams right
5: now. Um, but we're, we're right there knocking at their heels.
1: All right, so that brings us to our next question. What happens first for Kyle Busch? Another second place finish, a win, or an outburst?
4: I'm going to go with a win, and for two reasons. There's there's two words I want to get across here. Bristol and Richmond are coming up, and those are two awesome tracks for Kyle Busch, and knowing how fast he has been at the start of this season, how close he has been, and as he talked about being almost on an island when he's been finishing second place where If he's the second-best car, he's way ahead of third. But there's just one person that little bit better. But when they go to Bristol and Richmond, there is not going to be anyone better. That 18 car will find himself getting victory lane.
3: I I think that we're probably going to see C, but I don't think it's going to be the outburst that we expect. I think it's just going to be – I don't think Kyle Busch is going to win Texas. And when it just says an outburst, I think we'll just get some of his – Standard surliness after he doesn't finish first, which we've seen already this season. So we're not going to see the mic drop at Charlotte or anything like that. We're just going to get. That kind of, uh, you know, ornery side of Kyle Bush, which I think, by the way, I love as a journalist, Landon, like as a member of the media, like it's free content. Yeah, it's, it's free content. He's a lightning rod. And that's why people lo- love him. That's why some people love to hate him. But I, I think he is the, star- the one of the straws that stirs the drink here <laughs> in the Cup Series. So I
2: think outburst I think he's going to win this season, obviously. But yeah, well, we're, we're asking which one comes first. And and. I don't know what's I don't know what it pays, but what's the parlay on this one? Because I want to take A and C. <laughs> I, I I want them to happen at the same time. I want them to finish second. And and have an outburst in the media center. I think that'd be great.
1: <laughs> that would be pretty good. Okay, so that, I
4: guarantee that would probably happen. So that
1: <laughs> that's not would be... a guarantee
4: for you. <laughs> so we've, we've seen it happen. So yeah. I, I think it's a Maybe safe once. bet.
1: But to, to Nate's point, it's it's good TV. It makes the sport kind of fun and interesting. And he's if nothing authentic. Um, okay, so that question wasn't part of the bump and run. But this next one is is. Um, so
4: which of these were part of the which, article?
1: Which this this <laughs> okay? Yeah, this one. Uh, which driver under the radar is worthy of a little bit. more more attention nate based on their performance
3: yeah, by the way i'm getting am texted by dustin right now about changing these questions you know? <laughs> rebranding <laughs> his <laughs> whole thing yeah I, I'm, I'm just kidding I, my, my answer to this question landon was somewhat unconventional i don't think there necessarily are any under the radar drivers right now i know that in the story some of our writers dustin i think pointed out joey logano and some of the penske guys is maybe not getting as much credit. But I feel like the level of attention they're getting is commensurate with where they're running. I mean, Joey Logano isn't winning, so he's not getting a lot of attention because it's it's expected for him to win. So I don't know if I look at the standings right now and see anybody who's really, like, punching way above their weight and not getting the attention for it.
2: So I took that as a journalist who's saying, we've done our job. We covered everybody. I'm always (laughs) trying to cover myself. I'm not missing (laughs) anybody. I'm always trying to cover myself, obviously. Um, I think, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to take a little credit from my fantasy pick in Martinsville when I took A.J. Allmendinger as my garage pick. And had I been not in the race, uh, I would have moved him out of the garage and up into my field, and I would have gotten a top 10 out of A.J. Allmendinger. So I like A.J. I think he performs well. I think he outperforms his cars a lot, but they got good cars there, and they have a Hendrick alliance, which is maybe a little struggle with on the Hendrick side. But, you know, his, his teammate, Chris Buescher, is going to be great at Bristol in the next few weeks. Always runs well there. So I, I just I kind of like that JTG pairing right now, and I think that those guys
4: just always seem to do well. All right, so you guys are probably going to make fun of me for my, my pick here, but I'm going with our Daytona 500 champion, Austin Dillon. And my point of this is, is that since he won Daytona 500, yes, we all talked about him for that week, and he got to be considered a champion for a whole week. But since then, we haven't seen much out of the three car, but he has held on to a playoff points position through these couple races. We'll hear a little bit more from him and Scanall coming up later in the show, right? But <laughs> well I, think, I think that that car and that team, RCR, is just kind of priming itself to maybe find a little something here with this Camaro that we've talked about. Hendrick needing to find a little something. If they can figure out the aero side of these cars. I think Richard Childress Racing could find themselves once again getting two cars in the playoffs with Ryan Newman, Austin Dillon coming off that Daytona 500, but no one's talking about it. So here we are.
1: Okay. So you're saying the driver that won the Daytona 500? The biggest 500 race in the sport <laughs> is under the radar. Yes. Nate Landon, I mean, Might he needs more one, attention.
3: Girl. Right. Well, yeah. You know? I- it's I, only the biggest race of the year. I, I, I think he went maybe to New York and <laughs> was on a few TV shows that were broadcast nationally to what millions of it, people. M- maybe we add can have this this question in July is, <laughs> is the question. What have you done for me lately? That's always. Okay. That That's is all, always. You know, you're, you're changing Dustin's story. question again if you're adding what have you done for me lately <laughs> to
1: this question. Okay, Dustin, we're done. We promise. Um, We've
4: butchered this <laughs> yeah, article completely. We
1: have butchered it. It's what we do best here on NASCAR America. Hey, uh, we mentioned Clint Boyer a little earlier on in the show, snapping that big winless streak. Up next, we're actually going to see... How his days in racing all got started
5: we did it as a family you know since we were five years old my brothers and i all, all three of us raced started off in motocross and, and really my dreams and aspirations were to be that next Rick johnson jeff ward and then i got to racing against a kid named ricky carmichael and realized there's no way in hell i was ever going to be able to beat him so uh, uh they say with age you get in the cage and uh i thought it. Roll cage around me was a hell of a lot better than being on a motorcycle and going over the handlebars. So here I am.
7: (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Woo!
5: Clan, if you uh, don't mind, to grab that microphone. I I wanted that damn clock. How are we gonna get it home? (laughs) What do you do? I'm going to ratchet strap it to the, but (laughs) he drove my wife's SUV. We're going to be the Clampets with our trophy ratchet strapped to the roof of the SUV. But it's coming home. Yes!
1: There is only one Clint Boyer. He wanted the grandfather clock. He got it at Martinsville. But will his win get your vote for the biggest surprise of the season? That is our NASCAR America poll question over at NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. Your other choices, Kevin Harvick's dominance, Austin Dillon's Daytona 500 win, Jimmy Johnson's struggles, Eric Amarola's success. So make your voice heard over at NBCSports.com. Slash NASCAR boat. We're going to touch that a little bit later on in the show. Clint Boyer has long been known as one of the sport's greatest personalities, but he's also had one of the more unique paths to NASCAR, as he told Rick Allen in A Driver's Drive.
6: If you could pick one word to help describe yourself, what would it be and
5: why? One word to describe myself. <laughs> fun. How about, hopefully Fun. Can you amplify that a little bit? It's what, what, what louder, you... you mean? Or... <laughs> Try to have fun, I guess. I, I think that's why I used the word. I didn't use intelligent. I knew better than to say that.
6: I hope this isn't on TV. <laughs> Did you dream of racing as a kid?
5: Yes. We did it as a family, you know. Since we were five years old, my brothers and I, all, all three of us, raced. Started off in motocross, and really, my dreams and aspirations were to be that next Rick Johnson, Jeff Ward, and then I got to racing against a kid named Ricky Carmichael, and realized there's no way in hell I was ever going to be able to beat him. So, uh, uh, they say with age, you get in the cage, and. Uh, the, I thought a a roll cage around me was a hell of a lot better than being on a motorcycle and going over the handlebars. So here I am. When did racing become a reality
6: for you, that you were actually going to be a race car driver?
5: There was no question, you know, that 2000 to 2002 time frame was, was my moment. Young driver from Emporia, Kansas, in the five. Clint Boyer, the leader. How tough is it to come from the short tracks to the speedways and be leading for a young guy? It's tough. You know, it wasn't a decision. It was. It's like it. It was, it was becoming reality.
6: Clint Boyer will win his first race in
5: the NASCAR Busch Series. Didn't think ever in a million years that I would ever be a, a you know a NASCAR um, Cup driver, but I. I I thought right then and there I was confident enough and and seen enough that I thought I could make a living doing that and never have to punch a time card. Which was the goal. Time cards suck.
6: Who is the most influential person in your racing career?
5: My dad. I mean, he's always been that way. You know, whether we were on two wheels on those motorcycles or, or four wheels, his commitment was always there. He used to drive us 13 hours down to Lake Whitney, Texas for a Sunday afternoon race six years old we didn't even know if he's going to be motorcycle races but he was going to put us in front of the best competition there was and do whatever it took i mean you literally wake up monday morning in the parking lot at school so that that work ethic that that determination and, and drive is is definitely what what drove me and and uh you know influenced me throughout my racing career what is it about racing that you truly love I love the competition, but um, I do love out-foxing the next guy, out-driving out him. All clear. Out-thinking him, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's what drives all of us, is that, you know, competitive nature that was instilled in us as, as a young child, you know, learning how to race, and, and um, it's still that way today.
6: The long
0: wait to return is over. Clint Boyer is going back to victory lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah! Different personalities is what makes NASCAR so great. But Clint Boyers is the biggest. He's the most engaging. He's the most affable among the current crop of drivers. And, Landon, we were curious, who are some of the drivers from the past that you remember as having those big, larger-than-life personalities that you were just glued to coming up in the sport?
2: Well, I can tell you one that um, definitely hits me personally is Dick Trickle. I'm a short-track guy (laughs) from the Midwest, I grew up in Iowa. I raced all the Rockford, Madison, Lacrosse uh, racetracks growing up, and and so I had a experience with Dick at Madison International Speedway in probably 2004. We were in a 100-lap late model race. We ran side by side for half the race, changing positions, and I just cleared him. Got away from him a little bit, thought, man, I'm in the clear here. I got away from from the legendary (laughs) Dick Trickle, and with a a lap to go, he put the fender on me and moved me up the racetrack. I went and saw him after the race, and I was like, man, that was a good race. Thanks thanks for... uh... Thanks for kind of teaching me a little bit. I was 14 years old, and he pulled out a cigarette and offered me a cigarette right there on the spot. So Dick uh, so, so Trickle for out. me is a is a pretty good one. That's you awesome. know, and, and Kenny Schrader kind of is, is along the same lines as a short track guy that just raced everywhere. When I was a kid at uh, Down Speedway growing up, uh, Schrader would make it to to our racetrack a couple times a year. And, and, man, that guy would just race everywhere. He would he would just, those promoters would call him, and they loved him. Yeah.
3: I, I, I'm sure Trickle, by the way, was probably smoking during that race before he offered <laughs> yeah, you the cigarette. Yeah, it as well. But one of his um, signature lines I always heard uh, from him, Landon, was that you needed about an hour of sleep for every 100 laps you're going to run. And I think that also applies to the guy I would consider the most colorful I've covered in NASCAR the most charismatic. I mean, it's definitely Tony Stewart. And much like Kenny Schrader, who you just mentioned, Tony Stewart has that barnstorming short track vibe to him. You know, he'll race anything, anywhere, any night. But like Trickle, I think he's also got that charisma and that magnetism to him. I think with Smoke, what sets him apart is he really likes being the center of attention. He likes when everything sort of revolves around him. Even when things are controversial and he can be a little bit churlish and short with us, I still think he likes... Being in the middle of things. Um, Two other guys who I covered who even aren't in NASCAR anymore, but I think had really good personalities and would have been interested if they stayed. Scott Speed and Travis Pastrana, Um, Mm -hmm. which I know are kind of unconventional. But I think both of those guys also had a colorfulness to them, Parker, that... You could probably relate to because I mean they're they're both like of your generation and and, and you're colorful and so you're a colorful guy as well actually. That's so nice know, of you. Thank I you. I would
4: put you in that category as well. Oh, that's so kind. I actually want to take a step back though to a guy you were mentioning there, uh, Landon, which is Kenny Schrader, and I had a funny story about Kenny Schrader where. You talk about all the things he raced. Well, he was doing the ARCA race, uh, I think it was DeCoyne or Springfield, one of the dirt tracks in my year in ARCA where I was going to dirt for the first time. And I went up to Kenny before the race, and I talked to him and said, hey, man, you know, what am I doing here? And he's like, you'll be fine, do this, blah, blah, blah. We get in the race. I go on to, to lead the most laps, win the race. He finished like fourth or something. I run up to him and I said, hey, man, not bad for my first time on dirt. And he looks at me and he goes, that ain't real dirt walks off. <laughs> so I've always thought, it was, ever since, it's like, all right, I want to be him when I grow up. That guy's awesome.
1: These stories are so good, though, of young drivers desperate for feedback, yeah. like you and Landon, to come up against just like a brick wall of a huge personality.
4: It, it's it's so, so good. Well, it's so similar to your uh, story of Dick Trickle, because you think, you know, you think, you've seen them on TV, you think they know their personality thing, and then it just hits you blunt in the face, like, oh, wait, no, they're a real person, and they have, you know, they, they wanted to win this race as bad as you did, so... I think it's pretty cool. You know who we also should put in that category with Tony Stewart, though? Uh, Nate is Tim Richmond. Now, I know it's almost cliche at this right. point to mention him because. It seems like every 20-something-year-old NASCAR hopeful is, considers themselves the next Tim Richmond of some sort of that, <laughs> in go. that way. <laughs> great is that? In that workout video, I've actually been doing that same workout lately. So oh, uh, I'm going to send it to Landon <laughs> after the show. But, uh, you know, he was just such a cool personality that really ushered in, like, the ability for drivers these days to be themselves and to really want to be outward about their personality and what they enjoy. And I think, you know, Landon, you you spent a lot of time doing things that on social media and such that you know, is just about you and that's what he really ushered in that era for us.
2: And what would Tim Richmond be like on Twitter?
3: <laughs> just,
4: right? that, <laughs> he beat me to
2: that one. Yeah. yeah I, oh, man. That's for sure. Tim Richmond's a good one. I, I like that you brought up Scott Speed. I had no idea. And that's 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 pretty cool because Scott, I, I got I made friends with Scott pretty early on in his NASCAR career and hung out with him a lot. And let me tell you something about Scott Speed. He is one of the most naturally gifted people You've ever met. He's one of those guys that, like, you give him a ping pong paddle and he goes, "Oh, I've never really played this before." And in ten minutes, you can't beat him, right? (laughs) Right. Or you, you know, you put him on a unicycle and he'll figure it out. You give him golf clubs; he's never played golf before. In a week, he's shooting in the eighties, right? He's just one of those guys that's just always talented, always skilled, and and he just has no filter right he just right. has no filter right. he i think he got uh kicked off of i-racing a couple right. of weeks right. ago right, uh, it's, right. Yeah. and he, he bought this really expensive simulator gets kicked off iRacing, racing I mean, sells it he wins and, a truck race and the first thing he does is he strikes the thinker
3: pose right he's raised in formula one he's worldly he's just he I, I was just really entertained whenever he would come into the media center which wasn't often enough unfortunately and would do interviews we just you'd always hear something different the last thing i'll say on tim richmond by the way parker is uh, I was talking to somebody from NASCAR marketing before Daytona, and they consider Ryan Blaney to sort of be the modern day Tim Richmond, perhaps with not quite the same illicit activities or illegal um, things that might time, be going Nate. on. There's um, still time. Yeah, there's still time. But, I mean, I, Ryan Blaney certainly is very savvy on Twitter. So, maybe if you were thinking of modern-day Tim Richmond on Twitter, that would be the guy.
4: It's a good choice. I've actually heard that comparison a couple times. Scott so. Spee's
1: been nice enough to join us on NASCAR America. We're not going to see him in the simulator coming up next. No, we won't. Because <laughs> <Well>, we <are laughs> he's at racing. We are going to see you. Grab your Tim Richmond dumbbells and uh, <laughs> head on over there. Parker, also going to be joined by a special guest. Turning some laps at Newsom Speedway. That's next right here, stay with us.
6: All y'all wave it. That's the best way to get it right away. You want me to come down pit road? Wave it up and down, yeah? You want me to come down pit road now? You can hear me. Can y'all hear me? You wave the sign if you can hear me. Yeah, coming to you. Hey, Adam, change the helmet. Change the helmet. Pull the ass f- down and change the helmet. Let's go. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, you got me, Austin? Austin, give me a thumbs up. You got me a one there? F***ing Austin, you got me. Can you hear me? Are y'all ready to try something else here? The push to talk is by the left side mirror on the roll bar. Can you hear me? Yes, I got you, Austin. Yeah, I finally got you now. All right. Okay, you gotta go. Gotta go. Glad you can hear us. Yeah, that's, that was real fun, huh? Yeah. Other than running the 10 in the backstretch, we a while. you do pretty good. Austin, we're five laps down right here, so just do we can to survive here. So we gotta have a better game plan for that next time. Stuck to happen, but wait. Now we know we gotta have a game plan so we can.
2: And not just kill our race
1: right off the bat because of our radio. Most seasons have highs and lows, and that was Austin Dillon last week at Martinsville. Parker has had some highs and some lows in the simulator, and we wanted to give him a little competition today while in the Sims. So, Parker, one of your opponents, Ty Majeski, driver for Roush Way Racing in the Xfinity Series, where he shares the 60 car with Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe. He is also the top ranked i racer in the world so good luck yeah
4: thanks carolyn geez you guys pit some real easy competition for me he's right on my tail right now and we are at new smyrna in florida racetrack the short track in super late models. and ty thanks for doing this man you're the three-time governor's cup winner in a row here just talk about what the difference is between a super late model and that xfinity car you drive
7: Man, these super late models are a lot of fun. They have 10-inch slick tires. Uh, They put down about about 550 horsepower, give or take. And uh, they're a lot lighter than an Xfinity car. Uh, They also have a lot lower center of gravity as well. So uh, they're a lot of fun to drive. Um, You know, like you said, I won three Governor's Cups here in a row. Um, I remember the first time I ever came to New Smyrna and it was at Speed Weeks in 2015. And I had run thousands of laps on iRacing before I actually went there in real life. And I pulled out of the pit area in the middle of the track, pulled out onto pit road, and I swear it felt like I had been there before. iRacing does such a great job scanning these racetracks and making it so realistic so guys like me can come on here before they go to a racetrack and get some seat time and um, shorten that learning curve uh, a lot. So uh, iRacing's been a, a big part of my career. Uh, not only um, giving me experience uh, that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do, and they have they have done a great job at uh, at promoting the sport and um, supporting young guys like me. Uh, they've been a huge part of my life, and they've sponsored uh, my super elite model team out of Lacrosse, Wisconsin. And um, we wouldn't have been able to do what we've been able to accomplish without without their support. And uh, for that, I can't thank them enough.
4: Absolutely, man. I should point out you're in that 91. I'm taking up the rear of the field here, my normal position, the caboose on this train, and you're out driving me while just doing that long chat there about what this all's meant to you being a part of i racing. And I'm I'm struggling to keep up, man. This is tough. I can see you're very good at this and getting around here, but just also you know short tracks in general and what you've learned in short track racing. You know, a lot of fans have been talking. A big topic in the sport has been that we want more short tracks. We want to get the NASCAR cars on more short tracks in front of the fans and you are obviously good at short tracks. Would that be something you would want as well? Yeah,
7: absolutely. I mean, short tracks provide great racing and, you know, uh, I some kind, sometimes take a little beheat for only doing short tracks on iRacing and uh, I get a lot of questions. Hey, why, why don't you run the trucks or the expending cars? I love short track racing. Short track racing is exciting to me. It's what I know. It's what I grew up with and I'd love nothing more to see more short tracks on the NASCAR schedule.
4: And let's talk about your NASCAR schedule. You got your first race coming up at Bristol. I believe you went and tested there. How did it feel to you? What do you think of Bristol?
7: Bristol was awesome. It's it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. There's a couple short tracks up in Wisconsin. One one in particular, Slinger Super Speedway. It's a quarter mile high bank like Bristol, and um, that gave me somewhat of the same sensation. But I'll tell you what, Bristol was unbelievable. Um, my first my very first run out on, onto the racetrack. Um, we were hitting the splitter a little bit, which uh, was a good excuse for me to come in and catch my breath a little bit and regain my thoughts. And then we went back out there, and I, I adapted pretty quick from there. But uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Uh, the Roche Fenway crew has given me a, a great car to go there with. And, oh, just
4: avoided it right there. Um, <laughs> nice avoidance. So-
7: hopefully we we can do that at Bristol and not get caught out in it
4: well you know the thing about this short track racing and this super late ball racing it's a bit full contact and sometimes you might get a driver just get up into you a little bit knock you in the wall out of the way try to take that position I'm sorry to do that but Carolyn we're going to to be done here and we're going to watch Ty at Bristol go and do what he loves to do which is race at short tracks thanks for joining us Ty
7: yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys for having me.
1: <laughs> that is par for the course with Parker in the simulator. But how fun to have Ty with us. I hope we can do that again. And as Parker said, he'll be at Bristol on April 14th making his debut. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. From iRacing to Fantasy Racing, on next we've got some very exciting news about a new Fantasy Racing League. Plus, who should be a staple on your team for the next stretch of the season? We've got all kinds of fantasy info coming your way next. Do not leave. Come on right back after this. Welcome back. Each week our announcers have been giving their NASCAR fantasy live picks here on the show. And each week it has been full of trash talking galore. So we thought, why not get the fans in on this? That's exactly what we're gonna do. We're rolling out the NBC Sports NASCAR America League in partnership with NASCAR.com. So all of our NASCAR announcers, our writers, joining this very special 10-week lead and as a lead up to NBC NASCAR broadcast in Chicago in late June. So we're gonna give you all the details on Monday about how you can join, how you can compete against Sailor and Hart Jr and Jeff Burton and Kyle Petty and Parker and the rest of the gang. And Landon, just FYI, this is the part of the show where you're allowed to brag about fantasy, okay? (laughs) I heard you made an A.J. Allmendinger reference earlier, but now we are talking fantasy. We're six races into the season. We can look at the next stretch of six races and kind of get some early predictions here from the analysts that we have on the show that are going to be a part of the league. As you look at the next six weeks and where we're headed here, we're going to return at Texas, and then we go on from there. What are you looking at, Landon?
2: Well, uh, I already said it earlier, but I, I'm going to put Busher in my garage for Bristol. I think Harvick is kind of a hot, cold guy, and he's hot right now, so I'm going to ride that wave. And I think Blaney's got some speed, so I'm going to ride the Blaney wave. I'm,
3: I'm going to be nice to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. after we torched him <laughs> earlier and say he's definitely in my lineup for Talladega. I mean, that's an obvious pick. Uh, I think that certainly for Texas, I would have Martin Truex Jr. because he's so good at the mile and a tracks. He's won it virtually all of them, uh, and it was so strong last year, but... Uh, when Carolyn talks about bragging, uh, you really shouldn't listen to what I pick because I'm a terrible fantasy Neat. player.
4: how Wow. Neat. I abysmal.
3: <laughs>
1: You're, just, you're, from what I understand, you are in my group, like the way that we group uh, well, things together. So congratulations I need on you, finishing, <laughs> teammates. Uh, I need you to bring
4: your best stuff to the table. That's fine, Nate. You know what? You can come to me for lessons uh, anytime. Oh, I think I've won the last Thank four you, weeks, here so we I'm go. just saying. And if this you want to know who be to listen annoying. to this is for the be right annoying picks, <laughs> okay. then you just listen to this next segment. Who you should pick for Bristol, and Richmond? I already mentioned that is going to be Kyle Busch. Put your hand down. No, no. I got to talk to the. Let me talk to the viewers real quick. All right. Oh boy. You got to choose Kyle for them, but then your secretive pick that you probably haven't used yet this season, you got to get Alex Bowman for Talladega, and that 88 car is going to start to light things on fire a little bit. I feel very much confident that they are going to get things together, at Hendrick Motorsports, and that 88 car will lead the way. So choose him as well.
1: This is only going to get worse <laughs> from here.
4: I love it. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> um, another reminder, real quick, to vote in today's poll question What's been the biggest surprise of the season? got a couple of options here final results coming up if you haven't already make sure you go to nbcsports.com nascarvote nascar vote so far early look at the polls here and it looks like boyer's win is the biggest surprise so far but make sure you head online and vote final results coming your way next Welcome back, everybody. So our poll question, it is that time at bcsports.com slash vote. Biggest surprise of the season, and the choices are at the bottom of the screen. Landon, let's start with you. What do you think?
2: Well, it, it was down to two for me. I was either with Austin Dillon winning Daytona or Boyer winning Martinsville. Since it's Daytona, so much attrition, wild race. Uh, we've seen surprise winners. But I'm going to throw Austin out. I'm going to say Boyer winning at Martinsville. That was a surprise to me. I mean, I think his first year at – Stuart Haas, he kind of floundered a little bit last year, and it looked like maybe the train was kind of leaving the station, but he showed up last week. It was, a, it was a good win. All right, well, I'm going to go with the one you tossed away there, Lane. I'm going to go
3: with Austin Dillon and give credit to fantasy guru Parker Kligerman, oh. who says this is the most under-the-radar driver in NASCAR. <laughs> so, I mean, clearly that win must have come out of nowhere that he won the Daytona 500. No, the real reason I'm picking Daytona 500 is the biggest surprise win is because... And 20 years later, in the number three, to have that car back in victory lane in the Daytona 500, biggest race of the year, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. And I think that's why it's the biggest surprise.
4: Uh, I do not <laughs> think that's very nice of you, by the way. To realize that my fancy picks—I've always right got your him. back, man. But yeah. I will say, the—I uh, wasn't surprised by Boyer's win because I had him on my fantasy team, of course, right? You have a little more bragging in. Mm. Uh, I wasn't surprised by Austin Dillon's win because he's a great super speed racer. But what I have been surprised by. Jimmy Johnson's woes, and Hendrick Motorsports. I really think that that has been surprising for many, considering before the season we felt like they were going to be very fast in that new car. This
1: is one of the most even polls I think we've had so far on NBCSports.com. Boyer wins. Clint Boyer's win. And in that long drought, Landon, wow. throw him up throw, him up. throw up, That's buddy. a win for Landon. Congrats. Hey, great show today, you guys. I loved all the stories. It was a lot of fun. Meantime, we are out of time. But for all the latest, you can visit NBCSports.com NASCAR always. We'll be back Monday at 5 Eastern with more shenanigans. Have a great weekend. And everybody that celebrates, wish you a happy Easter. And if not, we'll see you next week for more NASCAR discussions.